I'm excited to get into this sermon series this morning. Um, if, if you haven't been with us, I have been preaching on how to have a totally awesome marriage, right? Anybody enjoyed it? Okay, a few of you. All right. It's been, I've enjoyed it. I've been, it's as much for me as it is anybody else. Um, and so I just uh, have really uh, been appreciating what God has led me to in this sermon series. We talked about the first week being Jesus-centered. Does anybody remember what the homework was for being Jesus-centered? Pray 90 seconds a day with your spouse, right? Anybody doing that? Okay, a few of you, absolutely, a couple times, right? Yep, it's, it's not written in law, but it's a good thing to get in the habit of doing. The second one, Mission Unified. Do you guys remember that? What was the homework last week? Complete a mission statement. I actually had a couple people text me and be like, can you help us with this? Because we just need a little advice on that. And I think, I think that's wonderful. I'm glad people were doing that. This week, we are going to talk about being devil stomping. Say it with me. Devil stomping. Yes. Let's pray before we get into it. God, I thank you for Leona. I thank you that she's been a blessing to this church. I thank you, Lord. I pray, Father, as, as she moves to Nevada, Lord, that you would give her a church that surrounds her and loves her, that you would give her friends that surround her and love her, and that she would even be a witness to people as she is down there and sharing the love of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart in this room. Let it not be my words, but for, right from you and your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get into it this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, right where we left off last week. Verse 7, I think I actually went into 7 a little bit, but it says this. Then the eyes of, of both were opened. So this is Adam and Eve after, after they had taken part of the fruit, if you remember from last week. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard, the, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And he said, The woman whom you gave to me, to be with me. She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the, and the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On, on your belly you shall go, and, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put it in, in minity. Man, I always struggle with this. <laughs> um, between you and, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. She, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but you shall rule over. He shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles you shall bring forth for you. It shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. 
By sweat of your, of, the, of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the first thing that Adam does is he blames God and Eve, right? He says, this woman that you put here with me. And then Eve, she blames the serpent. And then the serpent doesn't have a leg to stand on. I have been waiting a long time to use that one. That was a good dad joker. I have been waiting a long time for that one. Verse 20. The man called his wife, wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now at least he reached out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of, of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden. He placed the cherub, cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So here's the cold hard truth. Not every relationship is good. Not every relationship and good. In fact, you see right here in Genesis chapter 3, the first tension between a man and a woman. But if you've been married long enough, you know that that was not the last time there would be tension between a man and a woman, right? It's just the truth. And I could imagine what happened right after they stepped out of the garden. I could imagine Eve turned to Adam and said, so you were just going to throw me under the bus like that, huh? And Eve might have responded like, well, it was your fault. And if you've been married long enough, you know that that probably ended with a, with a fight. True or false, right? There probably was a little bit of a, a fight after that. A little bit of, of tension. And maybe you've had similar conversations in, in, in your own marriage. See, everyone starts out by saying, or at least thinking, I want a totally awesome marriage. I want a totally awesome marriage. Nobody starts out by going, I want a horrible relationship. Nobody does that. But too often we get there. Nobody says, you know what? I'm going to buy all the new toys. We're going to get in a whole bunch of debt. And then in our marriage, all we're ever going to do is fight about money. Right? Nobody ever says, I'm going to become a raging porn addict and, and, and just have uncontrollable lust in my life. Nobody, nobody ever says, listen, I'm going to start with little, little lies. I'm going to tell my spouse little lies. And then I'm going to start with, then I'm going to go to medium lies. And then I'm going to get to the really, really big lies so that I can hurt the person that I say loves, that I love the most. No one ever says, I want to get, I want to be so busy that one day I wake up and I don't even know who my spouse is. Nobody ever says those things, but it happens all the time. All the time those things happen. Like we said last week, you have a spiritual enemy. That's the devil. And if you have a weakness, he is going to try to exploit it. God hates, or excuse me, Satan hates God. And as a result, he hates anything that God loves, which is you. And he will do anything to, to hurt what God loves. And you know what God loves? God loves marriages. 
And so therefore, Satan hates marriages. And Paul writes to us in Ephesians 6, and he says this, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We don't fight against flesh and blood enemies. I'm going to tell you something, and if you let it sink in, it sink in, it might just completely change your marriage. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. You want a totally awesome marriage? They want a totally awesome marriage. You want to raise your kids to the best of your ability? They want to raise their kids to the best, the, your kids to the best of their abilities. You want financial freedom? They would love to have financial freedom. You want a big vacation? They want a big vacation. Your spouse is not your enemy. And as soon as we get that, it becomes easier to talk to one another. Amen? However, you do have an enemy. And he wants to destroy your marriage. And we get a glimpse of that in Genesis 3. He's the devil. And he hates, hates when two people come together that are a man and a woman, that are praying for each other, that are united in mission, and they, and, and they are loving Jesus. He's going to attack it. So just imagine, you get an alert on your phone. Your phone goes off. And it says, such and such has escaped from prison, and they're coming to destroy you and your family. What would you do? Would you just go about your day like normal? You wouldn't do that, right? You would change a lot of things. You would probably get a weapon, most likely a gun. right? You, you'd lock your windows. You'd lock your doors. You might have put alarms on them. You'd be watching over your shoulder at all times. You'd hear something fall like me in the middle of the night. I'd jump straight up, right? Any sound you hear, you'd be wondering, what is that? It wouldn't be until that moment that they that you get the notification that they caught that person and put them back in prison, that you wouldn't stop worrying about it. In fact, I would say this. If you knew that somebody was coming to kill you and your family, it would completely change your day, your month, your year, right? Well, we get a warning in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering, of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The devil is looking for your marriage. He wants to devour it. He wants to destroy it. God gave you the warning. You know who doesn't warn you? The devil. The devil never says in any moment, say, hey, here I come. It's me. You better be ready. He doesn't do that. But we don't take these words literal and we don't prepare ourselves for the attack of the enemy on your marriage. We have to do that. The devil attacks in a lot of ways, but there's two main ways I want to talk about this morning that the devil attacks us in. Seductions and distractions. Seductions 
and distraction. Let's talk about distractions first. Let's talk about that one first. We see this happen over and over again to people in Scripture. We saw this in the Scripture we read this morning, right? Eve was on a mission. She had a job to do, but instead of doing that, she had her eyes on a fruit. And she was distracted by it. And she fell. We see like for King Solomon, he is the wisest man that ever walked on the earth besides Jesus. And yet he was distracted and fell because of women. We see this for Judas, who had the greatest pastor in the history of the world. He was handpicked to be one of Jesus' inner twelve. Yet he was distracted by money. We can't allow distractions to bring us down. Solomon, the the ancient king of Israel, wrote a book called the Song of Solomons. For those of you who have read it, you didn't think I was going to preach a marriage series without talking about Song of Solomons, right? Come on. Like, I mean, it's the only book of the Bible you should read after you're married, not before. It's, uh, if if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. But the the book is about a shepherd man, a a shepherd, who is trying to pursue a shoe-white woman, right? And and I mean, this guy is a pickup line genius. He's a genius. I mean, he's, he has pickup lines like this. Your hair is a flock of goats. Your neck is like the Tower of David. I mean, if that doesn't get you a date, there's no hope for you. There's no hope. You're done. But in this book, he's pursuing the Shuai woman, and there's lots of love. There's lots of... of chasing after her. And then all of a sudden the tone changes. And in chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the the vineyard, for our vineyards are in blossom. And he's referring to their love in that verse. And here's what that means. The little foxes, they might be cute. They might be adorable. But they would come into vineyards And they would eat the blossoms of the vineyards before they could turn into grapes. And then there's no fruit. And here's the point. Don't let the little things crumble your marriage. Don't let the things that you barely notice cause your marriage not to produce any fruit. Because it can happen. Your enemy Satan will try to distract you in many ways. He will try to get you thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking. And if you don't catch these little foxes before, before they have opportunity, they're going to try to destroy your marriage. Let me give you an example. There's this little fox called comparison. Comparison. So when you start comparing your spouse to other people, right? So maybe, maybe if you're a lady and you, and you meet somebody and you're like, wow, they hold a conversation and my husband can't. They actually give me the attention that, that I would like to have out of from my husband. That's a little fox. You can destroy your marriage real quick. Maybe you, maybe you say something like this. Wow, why is he so romantic and my husband is not? That's a little fox. Maybe you're a guy and you're thinking, man, that lady actually laughs at my jokes. My wife thinks I'm annoying. That happens to me a lot. That happens to me a lot. So you know. Not that other women laugh at my jokes. They think I'm annoying too. But maybe that's something. Maybe there's something there that says, I wish my wife would laugh at my jokes. Maybe, maybe you're a man and you're like, I wish my wife shared the same hobbies like such and such I work with. 
then we could do things on the weekends. And if you don't take those little foxes captive, they can destroy your marriage. When you start comparing your spouse to other people and thinking, well, maybe I would have made the wrong decision, that is when problems start. And all of a sudden, you're not settled in your heart. And you think to yourself, I'd be better off in the arms of somebody else. That's just one little area that the devil can come into your life and destroy your marriage. The other, the other way the devil often attacks is, is through seduction. Through seduction. Did you know this? 60% of divorces that happen cite pornography as one of the leading causes. 60%. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yet Ephesians 5.3 says this, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified because I like the way the Amplified puts it. It says this, But sexual morality and all impurity, our greed, must not even be hinted at among you, as is proper among the saints. So there's this clear warning. Close all doors to sexual immorality. Slam them shut. Leave nothing open for that in any way. So here's the question I have for you this morning. I'm going to run through some scenarios. And you're going to answer the question, is there a hint of immorality? Right? Let me, let me give you the first one. The first one is this. You go cheat on your spouse and you get busy with another person. Is there a hint of immorality in that? Okay, yeah, I think that's an easy one, right? We all agree that's, that's probably... That's probably Immoral, immoral, immoral there. What about this? You watch pornography on your phone. Is there a hint of immorality there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We all agree on that one. That one's a, that one's an easy one. What about this one though? You're watching a TV show or movie and maybe they're not nude, but they like to show a lot of skin. And maybe there's a few sexual innuendos in that TV show or movie. Is there a hint of immorality there? Yeah. And we're talking about a hint. Okay. Okay, those, those are probably the easy ones. Now let me give you the ones I'm going to offend some people with. You ready? I like this. Uh, you guys ready for me to offend some people? Yeah. Okay, what about this? Posting photos on social media. What if they just show a little bit of skin, a little provocative, just, just enough so that I can get some attention? Now, I know nobody else, nobody in this room does that, right? But is there a little immorality in that? So, so just enough skin so that people will like my post? What, what about this one? What about inappropriate conversations? What about you and your coworker telling jokes to one another? What happens when that coworker is the opposite sex? Is there a hint of, a hint of immorality there? Because listen, listen to what God says here. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity and greed, our greed, must not even be hinted at among you. Not even a hint. Not even a little. Not even a little. God wants your marriage to be devil stomping. We are, supposed, we are not supposed to be tolerating darkness. We are, not, we are supposed to close all avenues where that can enter our marriage. Proverbs 4.15, it says this, Do not enter the path of the wicked, 
And do not walk in the way of, of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. It warns us three times. Gives us three instructions about what we're supposed to do with evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Like it's super clear. Three times it tells us, don't go anywhere around evil. Don't go anywhere near it. And then it says to pass on. Why do you think it says to pass on? I was thinking about this the other day. Why do you think it says to pass on? This is what I think. I think because when you get caught up in wickedness, you get caught literally in wickedness. Like when you get caught up in immorality, it has the ability to hold you in place and you can't go nowhere at that point. You're stuck. And it's not until Jesus sets you free from that that you can move on. And that's important, guys. That's why there's this clear warning. Don't go anywhere near it. Stay so far away from it. Don't even look at it. Don't touch it. Don't it, Stay so far away from it. It's, it's ridiculous. Because once you get caught up in that, it has the ability to catch you and keep you there and destroy your marriage. So what does that look like practically then? What if... Your, what if your coworker is super flirty? And she flirts and she flirts, or he flirts and he flirts. And you can tell there's a little something there. Transfer to a different apartment. Transfer. If you can't transfer, find a different job. Stay so far away from immorality, it's ridiculous. What if you go to the gym and you just can't avert your eyes? You can't help it. A lot of people working out. And your eyes just go there and, you keep, and your thoughts, you can't control them. Work out at home. Work at, stay away from it. Work out at home. What if social media is your vice? What if it's just scrolling on social media and you come across things and then your mind goes there and you can't control it? Delete it. Get rid of it. Because the devil is after your marriage. He wants to destroy it. He will use any opportunity he has to come against you and your spouse. He hates it. And so you have to stay away from it as far as you possibly can. Sherry, if you guys want to start coming up. When I was a, when I was a teenager at the church I, I attended, they didn't have a Sunday night service. And it was common back then. It's not as much as common now, but back then, lots of churches had Sunday night services. And it, when I was a teenager, I would be at every service I could possibly. Once I got saved, I was all in. And so there was this Church of God in Wallace, Idaho, that every single Sunday night service, they would play the same song. They would, and the lyrics go like this. It goes, it says this, I went into the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me took back what he stole from me, right? Y'all don't want me singing, right? Just tell him. We sang that a few months ago, if you guys remember, right? We, uh, we sang that song, and I loved it, because then it would get to this part, and they would sing it almost every time I was there, where it would say, he's under my feet, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. You know what I'm talking about? In this church in Wallace, I know this is what I loved about it. You better believe those people would start stomping right then and there. 
right? And they're walking around stomping their feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. And they would just stomp and stomp and stomp. And it's biblical, really, because the curse of Satan in Genesis 3 was this, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put in... There's that word again. I'm struggling with that today. Between you and your woman, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and you shall bruise, you sh- he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Listen, that's clearly a messianic prophecy, right? That's talking about Jesus. But, there's a, but this is my point of this. You should have Satan so underneath your foot and giving him no opportunity whatsoever to take advantage in your life that it feels like you're just stomping him over and over again. You should have any kind of sinful distractions so far out of your life. Satan's just getting smashed over and over again. We should give no opportunity to the devil. So what does that look like in your marriage? Listen, ladies in the room, if you're tempted to be angry, if you're tempted to be bitter, if you're tempted to be jealous, and maybe sometimes you even have a right to be, turn that energy into prayer. Turn that into prayer. Pray for your husband. And then I'm telling you right now, encourage him. There, I speak from firsthand experience. There is nothing better for a man than when his wife looks at him and says, I believe in you. I believe in you. Amen. Nothing better for a man than that moment. Other than, of course, Jesus. Whatnot. Men, how do you stomp on the devil? If you are passive, get off your butt. Lead your family to Jesus. That's your job. Do it. Lead them to Jesus. You're the one that's supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. Take authority there. If somebody was trying to break into my house, I wouldn't look at Tracy and go, hey, Tracy, you better go take care of that. No, you know, I'm a man. I'm called to defend my home. And the same is true spiritually. The same is true spiritually. In fact, this, so this is your homework this week. Men, women, this is your homework this week. If my family and I started this last night on the Bible Engagement Project. Look it up, download it on your phone. It's, a, it's an orange app. Bible Engagement Project. There's family devotionals. I think it's four each week. Each week. It, it would t- literally, because we like to talk a lot, it took us like 20 minutes. It would take you probably 10 minutes as a family. Spend time in the word of God together. Leave no opportunity for the devil to attack you. And as you grow in Christ, the devil's going to hate every moment of it. You're going to be stomping on his head. You're going to give him no opportunity to attack you. None whatsoever. If you're single in this room, so I've, always, I've, I've tried to leave something single for every single person in this room. Listen, you cannot build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. It doesn't work that way. 
you have to begin to do these things now and then one day like we've said you're serving God you're doing your thing you look around you go oh she's cute and she's doing the same thing I'm doing maybe we can do it better together but if you're stuck in sin it doesn't work clean that up now let Jesus do that now let Jesus set you free from that now so that one day when you meet the spouse of your dreams you're already walking with Jesus you're already ready to go you cannot build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin today single people it does not work it will never work this is what we're going to do in closing so we're going to close a little bit different today so I got that song pulled up. The You're under my feet. You're under my feet. And we're going to sing it. We're going to close service with that. After the song, you're dismissed. You're good to go. But as we're singing it, I literally want you. It's okay. Like, get a little, you know, get a little loose. But I want you to literally stomp your foot and declare, I'm making a decision today that I'm giving no opportunity for the devil. And I'm going to keep him so far under my foot, he will not be able to hurt me, my spouse, or my family. Amen?